From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back, everyone, to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Katie Schmidt. And that is the last time I'm going to record that phrase for all of you, because today's podcast is all about introducing you to the new host of The Dairy Show, and that is Lisa Benke. So welcome to your podcast, Lisa. <laughs> and what a, what a great welcome that is, Katie. I am so impressed with all of the things that you initiated in your, your time here at World Dairy Expo. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I will admit, I have been thinking about how we're going to transition this podcast hosting duty onto the next communications manager for Expo since I announced I was leaving a handful of months ago. And I, I think the solution uh, is, and the one that we're, we're going to roll with at least today, is to have you as the guest for today and allow our listeners to get to know you a little bit so that when you host your first episode in two weeks, people are going to feel like they know you a little bit. So let's start at the beginning for you. What is your first connection to the dairy industry? I grew up on a dairy farm and I was fortunate to grow up pretty much 45 minutes south of World Dairy Expo. So attending the show was an annual affair for my parents and my brother and myself. We I, I have a very fond memory of coming to World Dairy Expo when Felicia May Fury was being exhibited by, by Alan Hetz. And World Dairy Expo to me has always been the who's who in the dairy industry. When we went to that, that expo, the first one that I can recall, I can remember my dad walking up to Mr. Hetz. Felicia May was laying down in the pack in the Crescent Beauty String. And we were standing there. We wanted to see the cow we, and she was laying down. And Mr. Hetz noticed us standing behind her and he, he walked over to my dad and asked if he wanted us or if, if we wished that he would keep the cow up for us. And it was kind of like one of those pinch me moments where it was this man that was on the pages of the magazines that we read at home, you know, the Holstein World and the Wisconsin News. Um, he was asking us if he kept this, this cow for us. And the answer, of course, was unanimously yes. <laughs> but but it, I, again, it was one of those moments that's crystallized in my mind as at World Dairy Expo, you're among friends. And even someone whose who's, um, stature at the show was that of Alan Hetz. He was, was talking to us one-on-one -on -one and willing to share his Felicia May Fury with us. Wow, what an incredible first Expo experience. I Mine was with my grandpa in 2006, and I still remember walking into the Coliseum for the first time. I don't remember which cow won or, you know, those details, but I remember those like feelings that you get when you're at Expo for the first time. And for you, Lisa, after you, you went to Expo, you kind of, you grew up in this space. Where did you go to school? Where did your career take you? I attended UW-Madison and was a dairy science student there. And I, I had a specialization in ag journalism, which a lot of people, I guess, in, in my era um, did the same. But what that did was it allowed me through my affiliation with Badger Dairy Club to become a, a, a worker at World Dairy Expo. Now I was running Nightline in the barns and getting to see these strings up close and personal for the, the duration of the evening and making sure that everybody was clean by the time the exhibitors arrived back in the morning. But we also did the 
the cheese stand back then. We made the grilled cheese sandwiches and also carried out all of the, well, Badger Dairy Club works really hard behind the scenes to make the show run. And and um, it was fun to be part of that and participate in all the different activities, whether it was picking up milk or running Nightline, making cheese sandwiches or hauling kids back and forth from campus as the business manager. So it was a good introduction to the the back behind the scenes aspects of the show. Okay, hold on. When you say work nightline, today that's not a, a Badger Dairy Club responsibility. So what what did that entail when you were doing it? <laughs> it was it was actually a job that a lot of the freshmen were assigned. We had a huge huge club back in the day, and as you can imagine, everyone wanted to have a hand in and having a successful World Dairy Expo. So nightline was just that. You were handed a pitchfork and you were told that you had this aisle at World Dairy Expo and this barn and People used to fight over wanting to be in that back barn, the Canadian barn it was back in the day. Now, keep in mind, I was in Badger Dairy Club back in the 80s. So the current campus that we enjoy at at the Alliant Energy Center is not at all what it was back then. We had multiple buildings and uh, you were assigned an aisle in a barn and, and that was your job to keep those animals clean overnight because a lot of the exhibitors back then they would be in the barn to to bag their cows, obviously, throughout the night. But a lot of people would go back to their hotels and get a good night's sleep before they hit it hard the next day at the at the show. So Badger Dairy Club provided that service to keep them clean overnight so that when they arrived in the morning, they weren't, you know, the pack stayed nice and dry and, and so did the animals. And what did you do with your agricultural journalism degree after you graduated? Uh, my first job out of college was actually a, a fun PR job. I worked for the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture as the state's 38th Allison Dairyland. So I traveled the entire state of Wisconsin and made a lot of friends. Uh, also learned an awful lot about all facets of Wisconsin's agriculture. I came from the dairy business, but Wisconsin is also noted for mink and cranberries and ginseng and snap beans and you you name it. We've got an, a vast array of agricultural products that I was proud to represent for one year and, and also proud to work for the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture because another interesting thing, Katie, is as Alice, I had the opportunity back then to participate in, in what was a reciprocal program with the Royal Winter Fair. The Ontario Dairy Princess came to Madison for the week of World Dairy Expo, and she and I would act as the official hostesses, if you will, of the event. We gave school tours. We greeted people on grounds. We worked in international reception. We did a lot of different assignments throughout the week and basically acted as hostesses for the event. And then when November rolled around, I traveled to um, Toronto for the Royal Winter Fair. And there we were Again, hostesses for that event did much of the same at the the Royal Winter Fair and also participated in the horse show up there, which is a big deal. It involved wearing an evening gown and being part of the fanfare of the the evening horse shows that they have up there. So it was a very, it was a fun time to be part of that program because uh, the Canadian presence at World Dairy Expo was huge as, 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 as it is today. But they used to have the Canadian club herds and and the state club herds were were big shows, big, excuse me, big classes at World Dairy Expo back in the 80s. And it was very fun to see how the the Canadians were pitted against the U.S. genetics. And um, we celebrated that, the Ontario Dairy Princess and Alice in Dairyland. 
Yeah, you have to love a little cross-border competition, absolutely. And, and Lisa, we were talking before we hit record on this that you spent some time working with Tom Morris, who's very connected to the World Dairy Expo family, of course, but also that you have worked for World Dairy Expo before. So talk to me about that first experience working on the staff. I'm going to touch on the the Tom Morris Limited connection to that um, allowed me to work with the World Classic. And it was fun to figure out openings, unique ways to open the World Classic. And I can remember maybe the most memorable one was bringing lot number one in in the back of a limousine, having her walk to the ring with with Brenda Lee Turner from CMAX. She was escorted to the ring to the Coliseum blaring Pretty Woman. That was one of my fondest memories of the world classic openings. I hope I hope this was like a calf, right? And not like a, a winter calf, a spring calf, something that fit, right? <laughs> that year lot one was uh was a calf. You're right. <laughs> would have been a little tough to push a bread heifer out of the back seat of a limousine. <laughs> I would have been incredibly impressed. I'm already impressed, but I would have been incredibly impressed. <laughs> she made a grand entrance. <laughs> You were asking me, Katie, about my first experience as a staff member here at World Dairy Expo. That was, again, I was here 12 years ago. And I have to admit, much has changed. As much as it stays the same, World Dairy Expo has continued to evolve year after year, which is why it's enjoyed longer than 50-year history. You don't stand still and expect to be relevant to people. And World Dairy Expo has certainly, certainly moved forward in the 12 years since I've been gone. When I first started working for World Dairy Expo, the Expo Daily Edition was new. That was something that we thought, you know, we all are, we moved to Madison. It it is almost like a little self-contained city for those five days and, you know, the first part of October. So let's have a newspaper. And so we did. And I'm really pleased to see that the Expo Daily Edition continues to be well-written and well-received at World Dairy Expo. Websites all those years ago were a relatively new way to share information with people. Nowadays, my goodness, people access that on their computer, but nowadays people are doing it on their cell phones. So we've added so many different modes of communication and have more successfully employed those that we had back when I was here for that first go around. And the podcast is obviously something new that you've added since I was here the first time. So it's as much as I, I have utilized my, my journalism degree, there are different facets of communication that I'm learning every day how to harness, social media being one of them. We all love our Facebook and, and Instagram and these, these newfangled things that we can communicate with on our cell phones, but it's something that we have to feed too. So it's exciting to see how all of our news feeds are populating those vehicles and letting people know about World Dairy Expo and all the wonderful things it has to offer. And you mentioned that like the podcast is new for you, but I'm guessing that some people listening to this episode today might recognize your voice though from World Dairy Expo. And uh, that's because you had some announcer duties, correct? Uh, For one of the shows. Which breed were you in charge of? Uh, and what are some of those moments that you recall getting the opportunity to announce that just kind of stick with you? Well, I can remember getting a phone call. This was was back in the late 80s. Uh, Tom McKittrick invited me to help with the 25th anniversary of the show. They wanted to do something special. They wanted the Supreme Champion Ceremony 
to be announced from the center of the Coliseum floor rather than from up above as it has had historically been. And oh, by the way, you need to buy a long dress. And I'm thinking, oh boy, all right, well. And then I got a call from Myrna Sue Jones, who was working for the World Dairy Expo staff at that time in the communications position. And she said, you know, we'd really like you to get a dress that's black and cerise. And I got to admit, I went straight to the dictionary because I had no clue what color cerise was, but I thought it was probably pertinent to the purchase that I know what color I was looking for. Turns out it's hot pink. So that was the year that they decorated the show ring with all the Christmas trees. That was a story unto itself. They put out an ad in the Madison newspaper requesting tinsel Christmas trees. And suddenly the, the expo office was buried in tinsel Christmas trees. But boy, did that make a beautiful backdrop for the 25th anniversary show. So long story short, yes, Art Nesbitt and I announced the Supreme Champion from the center of the, the ring for the 25th anniversary of World Dairy Expo. I'll let the listeners do the math. We're now on, what, 56? So that's been a few years ago. And I continue to announce with Art Nesbitt, I was actually like the color commentary for the International Holstein Show with Art for a number of years. And, and then with Dave Selner after that. And I was tapped to do the Brown Swiss show. So most recently, I've been doing the International Brown Swiss show. And again, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to say those animals' names over the PA at World Dairy Expo. Because let's face it, any of us that have ever bred an animal, when you're registering her, let's, let's be honest, we think about what that name might sound like if it were to be read <laughs> over the PA at a major show, particularly at World Dairy Expo. Absolutely. I remind my dad of that every time he comments, we'll say, on a, a new cow's name. I'm like, dad, just think how great that is going to sound on a PA system. I'm like, it looks silly written down, but it's going to sound so good as a show winner. Just give it a time. <laughs> Your connections to Expo are incredibly vast, and I, I love talking about past memories and things like that. But this time around, you're three weeks in. It'll be about four weeks by the time this airs. But you're, you're really just kind of finding your footing again on the staff. So what are you looking forward to that's different today than it was with your other past involvements with the event? I had the luxury of growing up 45 minutes from the show. It was part of the fabric of my life. And I've had a complete affinity and love of the show for all those years. I have met people through those many years of my involvement with the show in different capacities that share that same love of the show, whether they come from 10 minutes away or an ocean away. It's, it's a, a funny thing um, how therapeutic and, and it, it's just such a, a, a surge of energy to be at World Dairy Expo if you're engaged in the dairy business. And that's something that I, I want to bottle and sell, Katie. If there's a way for me to help World Dairy Expo convey that to people anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world that appreciate good cattle genetics, that appreciate premium care of a dairy animal. You really can't afford not to attend World Dairy Expo. It's a shot in the arm if you milk cows. It's also an opportunity for anyone that supplies services or products to the industry to share them with those people that would ultimately make good use of them. So. I am looking forward to using all of these beautiful vehicles that you have cultivated through your you know, tenure here to get that message out and people, help people understand what the value of 
dropping what you're doing, let's face it, when you have to hire someone to come in and do your chores, milk your cows, and step away for any amount of time, it's not just the cost of buying a ticket, but it's also the cost of being away from your operation that a lot of people have to weigh and justify. And I am hoping to find the right words to help people weigh and justify and decide that, yes, it is time well spent away from the farm, because certainly those of us that have attended the event know what a great opportunity it is to, to improve your, your operation or to improve your genetics or further your networking in the business that, that makes it all worthwhile. So visitors that are coming this fall, Expo 2023 is only like six months away, a little more than. And I remember, um, you know, I, I sat in that chair not so long ago. So I remember like the heart palpitations that that statistic caused me. So hopefully you're not feeling it at the moment. But, you know, as we get closer to the event and people are starting to make travel plans um, to come attend, what are some of those features that they can expect to see this year? Maybe if we're ready to share, what's new um, for 2023? Well, I think first I'd like to speak to what the, the winning recipe is, I guess, for World Dairy Expo. It's, it's a week of celebrating achievement. We have the recognition award winners that we'll be announcing or have announced today. We have education seminars that will be announced shortly. We know that world-class genetics are going to be parading across the colored shavings, and those show numbers continue to climb. We haven't seen a decrease in the number of, of beautiful animals that grace the colored shavings. We've got a number of youth contests that are going to take place, and we've got a second-to-none world-class trade show that people can expect. Now, a difference at World Dairy Expo is it used to be that all of those events happened on, you could expect that all of those things would happen on each day of the show. What has happened is we've had to add days to the show to accommodate the different aspects of it. So the dairy cattle show, obviously with, with increased numbers in animals participating, we've built out a schedule that accommodates that in the Coliseum. And we also share those colored shavings with the collegiate, post-secondary and 4-H judges. So that contest also takes place in the Coliseum. We have to find time for that to take place, as well as the ever-growing showmanship contest and fitting contests that take place. So with all of this, it's, it's a three-ring circus, and we've got one ring, basically, to put all those, those things through. So I would suggest that people tune in to our website and look for Facebook postings for current information. We'll be announcing the 2023 schedule very soon. And as always, people anticipate, you know, when their breed show will take place and they build their plans on attending around when the trade show opens or if they've got a child that's participating in one of the contests. All of those, those elements of the show will be clearly outlined in the schedule of events that will be posted very shortly. So do, as you're buying your plane tickets or as you're making your time off schedule, you know, requests with your employer, be sure to check that schedule to make sure that that part of the show that you're most keenly interested in is happening on the day you might expect, because that is something that over the course of the years has changed. That schedule that had been for many years carved in stone has become a little more fluid to accommodate all of the interest that we have in participating at World Dairy Expo. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Lisa. That was a, a challenge that we faced last year with that first um schedule change in a long time was people 
are, are so intimately and personally attached and related to Expo. And that is an incredible thing. But it, it's challenging when there are fundamental changes to the event. I will echo you, Lisa, and say people need to go to the website and look at schedules. It's incredibly important. And the app that Expo has for the event when you're there, I find to be incredibly useful. And I know I'm a little biased, but that's a huge tool. The World Dairy Expo app is a valuable tool. And I hope that if anybody that carries a cell phone, I hope that they would consider downloading it because it is. All of that is information is pushed out to you on an, an immediate basis. So it's a great tool to utilize. And while we're talking about utilizing your cell phone at World Dairy Expo, Katie, let's talk a little bit about e-ticketing too. When you talk about new things, I was excited when I drove into the grounds last year that I could just present my cell phone to the ticket booth. They scanned my cell phone and boom, I was in. It's no longer... The, the laminated season pass or the paper daily ticket that people utilize, but rather now an e-ticket. So we've arrived at the 21st and a half century where it's just like when you go to a, a pro football game or a basketball game, a lot of those venues are requiring people to download a ticket on their cell phone prior to arrival with all things. It takes a while for people to adjust. And I know that the ticket takers were learning just as the attendees were last year. So while there may have been hiccups last year, we're trying to work through those this year. And we're definitely encouraging people to, again, log onto the website, log into the World Dairy Expo app, look at, we've got communications in there that'll help facilitate purchasing tickets online and loading them onto your cell phone so that you're prepared when you drive into the gate to be able to just flash that screen and, and gain admission. So Lisa, as we're kind of coming to a close on our episode, and hopefully people feel like they've gotten the chance to know you a little bit better. But as you're getting ready to, to take on hosting duties and I get to pass the microphone to you, what stories or types of content are you looking forward to, to sharing with listeners on the podcast? Well, Katie, you have already built something incredible to, and it's always easier, I think, to build upon something than start it from scratch. So kudos to you for getting the dairy show off the ground. I just want to keep it at 30,000 feet where you've got it. And I think this is the most maybe exciting facet of my job. It's an opportunity to talk with those people that make World Dairy Expo the destination of choice that it is. We just talked about the many facets of the show. My goodness, when you think about it from an editorial perspective, there is no end to the possibilities as far as who you could interview because Again, obviously, the content is going to be very dairy-centric, but as we all know, the trade show, the honorees, the colored shavings, there are so many different angles you can go. And let's not forget our international visitors. That's something, too, that I'm looking forward to is incorporating some, some dialogue from a, across the seas. You know, let's learn more about our, our international attendees and what the climate's like in their individual countries. So I am looking forward to looking at who you've already spoken with and tapping a, a list of potential interviewees down the road that can share with our listeners an ongoing dialogue that makes them feel like World Dairy Expo is taking place 365 days a year instead of just those glorious five days that we come face to face. Oh, I love that. I, I Yes, I think that's why this podcast was started was to 
help people feel connected and to share just great stories. And like you said, Lisa, there's there's no limit really to the the stories you can tell because World Dairy Expo exists to be the meeting place of the global dairy industry. And its superpower is bringing people together. And at the end of the day, that's what this podcast gets to do as well. So I'm excited to hear the stories that you tell and the people that you have on and, and where you take this little project that I started uh, about two and a half years ago. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to end the episode. I thought we were going to talk about something else, but I want to end with, unless you've got something. Well, I would like to add, Katie, that I think I would be remiss if I didn't thank you for your time here at World Dairy Expo and on behalf of the organization and everyone who's enjoyed this podcast to date. We just want to wish you all the best in your new role at the Council on Dairy Cattle Breeding. And I would suspect that perhaps down the road, you might find yourself being interviewed on the dairy show with your knowledge of, of dairy cattle genetics and evaluation. So again, we wish you well in your new role and perhaps we'll talk again. Wouldn't that be a fun role reversal? Yeah, I, I will uh, look forward to that day. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to, to share what I'm learning in my new uh, career path with, with listeners and sit in the guest seat, I guess, and try that out for a, a turn. I, I do want to ask you, Lisa, uh, as like a final point, what is your favorite expo memory out of all of the years that you've attended uh, or been involved with the show in some capacity? Do you have just like one moment that stands out above the rest? Oh, my goodness. No, I think as I alluded to at the beginning of this, this podcast discussion, it's a it's a movie reel, Katie. It started when I was a child and it continues to this day to isolate and say that there was one magical moment is really hard. One that I didn't share earlier was we had the great fortune to have my my daughter actually was named junior champion of the junior show. So we got to hear her animal's name right over the loudspeaker. But I, I know that one generated a lot of tears because that animal that she showed was one that we acquired because the owner had passed away. And we knew that it was his strong desire to hear his prefix said over the loudspeaker at, at World Dairy Expo. And when that name was read, <laughs> that was a magical moment for both us and his family members who were were present. Um, and I will say that that my daughter, for 10 years after that, made sure that that prefix was read over the PA every year thereafter she elected to sponsor the, the award for the next 10 years so that his name would be read each year that the junior champion of the junior show was read aloud. <laughs> so again, it's about the people, isn't it? The World Dairy Expo is about relationships. And it is remarkable to me how very intertwined our lives are and it all boils down to uh, the, sh the, the shared love we have of the dairy cow. And I just can't think of a more magical place to be. And those of us that are you know, listening now, anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you've never been to World Dairy Expo, uh, again, I, I would encourage you to figure out a way to get that time off and, and justify leaving the farm or your, your daily you know, life just to, to experience it at least once. And I, I would think that when you get a taste of it, you would find that there's a strange, strong longing that comes about. 
the first week in October every year that would want to have you join the rest of us in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm excited to come back as a volunteer this year. I've got my fingers crossed that I can make it happen, but I am I'm looking forward to being back in Madison for World Dairy Expo this year in a a different capacity. And thank you, Lisa, for sharing that beautiful story on the end. I'm like got tears in my eyes over here. Um, so that was that is truly what Expo is all about. And that is, yeah, it's the people, it's it's the dairy industry. It's special. And know that you'll be welcomed back with open arms, Katie. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I guess we're going to kind of put a bow on the episode there, Lisa. Again, thank you for being willing to do this format of an of episode together. And best of luck hosting The Dairy Show from here on out. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you.